You know that one friend or relative that has a tendency to promise things but uh, then never follows through? Or as a manager or a fellow worker, you're, you're counting on someone to, to do something for you and, and in the back of your mind you're thinking, man, why did I bother? She, she never uh, is reliable. Or maybe it's a family member, your, your cousin Ben, who your whole family knows is terrible with making good on his promises. Maybe he says to you, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be with you for Easter dinner this year. But you know that at the last minute, he's going to have something come up and he's going to have an excuse as to why he can't make it. This guy, this, this friend, this employee who promises to do things but never follows through, that's Peter from our sermon text. Jesus is about to celebrate the Passover, his last supper with his disciples. He's about to institute a New Testament in his blood, his holy supper. But before he does, Jesus wants to do something for his disciples. He wants to wash his disciples' feet. We read, he came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, you do not understand what I am doing now, but later you will understand. Peter told him, you will never, ever wash my feet. Peter is the same apostle who will later say after supper, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And when they're in the garden, Peter will proclaim, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never stumble. Of course, Peter will stumble. He will fall asleep while watching, instead of watching and praying in the garden, just like all the rest. He won't lay down his life for Jesus in the garden. In fact, he acts like a coward because he's the only one who takes up a sword to try to defend himself. And then, of course, famously, Peter will deny three times that he knows Jesus before the rooster crows twice. And here, Peter has this very public display of his great humility. Lord, I don't need you to wash my feet. Peter promises things again and again and again. He has all these things to give to Jesus. His time, his devotion, his energy, his strength, his power, his ability in using a sword, his cleanliness. But each one fails. He promises great things, but he can never follow through. I know we all know people like this, like our cousin Ben or like Peter. And of course, those people, they're not us, right? But that can't be true. Not everyone can be not guilty of the self-centered pride of Peter. Not everyone can be good or perfect, rather, at putting others first. Either no one is guilty or everyone is. I think back on my life and I can immediately think of half a dozen times when I didn't keep my word, not to mention the countless times that I, I can't remember. And I can think of more times when I just didn't do good enough. As a parent or a spouse, I, I just couldn't give my attention to my kid or my spouse 
Or when I did, it wasn't what I should have done. As a son or a friend, I, I didn't call or, or, or talk enough. As a worker, I didn't complete projects like I said I was going to. And, and even though it didn't hurt me at the time, it, it hurt others. As a manager, I didn't lead well enough. I said things to, that hurt those who gave their time for me. Or maybe I didn't say something when I should have. The truth is, we are all guilty of this. We are all like Peter. And for all these things that I feel the most guilty over, I want to get rid of. Guilt is a bad motivator. All it does is drag me down even more. And actually, if, if you want an example of someone who did follow through, he's in our text too. Judas. By the time supper took place, the devil had already put the idea into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Judas is the one disciple who actually follows through with what he said he was going to do. Sometimes we do that too. We follow through on things that we shouldn't. And so what do we try to do? We try to justify ourselves for those times that we are like Peter. We make excuses as for why. Well, I couldn't follow through because of this and this and this and this. But at least I'm not as bad as my cousin Ben. I usually follow through. Well, do we? We try to relieve our guilt by making our consciences to be without sin. Or at least with less sin, less failures than others. Or we fill our consciences with excuses so that we have more things that justify us than we do that condemn us. We try to give ourselves a good conscience by, by giving ourselves some slack, which usually means coming up with excuses. Modern psychology even says that uh, it's, it's good to remember that no one is perfect. The most successful people even make mistakes, so it's okay for you to make mistakes as well. It's not. Sin is never okay. If sin were okay, Jesus would not have needed to go to the cross, suffer literal hell on the cross, and shed his blood as atonement and payment for sin. He wouldn't have needed to offer his body and blood continually for the forgiveness of your sin if you could just give yourself some slack and, and give yourself a good conscience. A good conscience is not a conscience without sin or one that feels justified in sin. A good conscience is a conscience that's been forgiven. That's why Jesus says to Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. A traveler in Jesus' day would have needed a regular foot washing. The dusty roads would make the feet of travelers that were just covered with sandals uh, covered in dirt and dust and mud. If a person had shoes, they were sandals. Not very good at keeping your feet clean. 
And if you're going to come inside to eat the most important meal, an elaborate meal of the year, the Passover meal, the last thing you want is to come in being filthy. Can you imagine going to the fanciest restaurant in in Madison covered in dirt? How ashamed you would feel. And it's just dirt. When we come before God, before his altar, nothing is hidden. Our guilt is exposed. Everything we ever should have done and didn't do, and everything that we didn't do that we should have done, it's all exposed. We come bearing all of our shame. But at that last supper, Jesus, who knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, does something unimaginable. The Almighty God, who has everything, who created all things, does what no other God or any other person does. God doesn't make creation serve him. God doesn't make sinners make up their sins to him. God doesn't make those who are guilty offer sacrifices to him. God doesn't make Peter serve him. God serves Peter. Jesus gets down on his hands and knees and begins to wash feet. He takes the job of a slave. He's not doing this to make the disciples feel sorry for him, that they should have thought of it first and did it. But he's teaching Peter and the rest of the apostles something. Jesus doesn't accept excuses for sin from Peter or you or me or any other person. He makes up for what we have not done. Jesus knows and says that if he doesn't wash us, we have no part with him. So that's exactly what Jesus does. He washes away our sin. What Jesus did figuratively for Peter by washing his feet, he does really and actually for us, for you and me, in baptism. And he continues doing it by his words of absolution. But Peter now goes to the opposite extreme. If foot washing is good, further washing must be necessary. So he lists more parts of the body, his head, his his hand, his side, whatever, things that Jesus should wash. But Peter's sins have already been washed away, not in time, but effectually. For Jesus would die on the cross, showing his self-sacrificial love and winning the complete once-for-all forgiveness, past, present, and future Forgiveness of sins for the entire world the very next day. And God, unlike Peter, fulfills his word. And so, just as a traveler doesn't need a complete bath, but only a foot washing, so Christians, like Peter, must lead a life of daily repentance, contrition, being sorry for our sins, And faith, trusting in the complete forgiveness of our sins. Jesus had told Peter, You do not understand what I am doing now, but later you will understand. Peter did. 
In fact, Peter wrote about this very thing again in his first epistle. In 1 Peter 3, verse 21, Peter wrote exactly what Jesus was trying to teach him. Peter writes, Baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the guarantee of a good conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't just allow us to give ourselves some slack to justify our feelings and our failings. Baptism forgives our sins. It gives us a good conscience. A conscience that doesn't have to be bothered by sin. It doesn't have to feel guilty over its failings or from not being good enough. We're not good enough. We've never been good enough and we can't keep our word. But Jesus did. Jesus is good enough. He became a servant for us. He forgave our sins. He washed our guilt away in baptism. So if you feel like Peter, guilty over your failings, you don't need to do anything to be with Jesus. You are baptized. You are forgiven. And because you are baptized and forgiven, Jesus gives you his body and blood in his holy supper, which strengthens you in the one true faith, which means that if you're looking to do better, there's no better thing to do than to receive God's help. Let Jesus serve you. You are washed clean to be with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.